You may be seated. I want to thank you for being with us tonight. I want you to, um, to know that these three messages tonight that I've shared are important to me because they answer a big question, a question that we all have. We all have times when we don't know what to do. We're not sure what the next step should be. We don't know if we're making the wrong decision or right decision. And the biggest problem when you come to those moments is you just don't know what to do about it. What I've done is tried to give you three steps, three things you can do when you come to the moment when you can't figure out what to do next. And it starts with you. It's where everything starts. And it takes courage to do this. You have to check yourself. Say it with me, please. Say, check yourself. When you check yourself, your goal is to determine what you believe. If you're in a moment when you're really confused and you don't know what to do, it's all about you checking you, not anybody around you, just me. Whenever I'm angry or frustrated, I ask myself, why are you so angry? That's my first question to myself. What gives you the right to be this angry? What gives you the right to have that attitude? What gives you the right to respond that way? Check yourself. If I check myself, I learn a lot of things about myself. And one of the big things I learned is what I believe. There are some things I thought I believed, but if you look at my actions, I didn't really believe that. Because if I believed it, I would have acted differently. I would have responded differently. A lot of us don't believe certain things. And I, I think it's really a profound revelation when you realize that my belief system is more culturally driven than it is biblically driven. I really agree with my family's convictions more than I do the Bible's convictions, which is fine. If that's what you want to do, God gives you that privilege and right. But there's something about making that decision and the long-term consequences. So you might want to ask yourself, and say, okay, well, how has this gone for our family? What, what's been the outcome of us not believing God but yet believing our culture more than we believe God? Right now in America, that's what we're facing, the question of who we believe. They say that one of the fastest growing groups are people who are just kind of neutral. They're non-believers, don't believe in anything, which I don't believe is totally true, but the first thing you want to do is check yourself and see what you believe. Whenever you're at that moment and you can't figure out what to do, when you ask yourself, I'm in a place, I don't know what to do, what do I believe? Do I believe God's with me? Do I believe God's way is the best way? Do I believe God has the best answer for me? Or do I believe my cousin does? Do I need a man or Jesus? What do I need? So he's not need both. Well, that means we compromise our walk with Jesus for a relationship. Do we sacrifice integrity for a job? Is, is that what Enron did? For money, we sacrifice our values. Or do we believe the truth is the best way? The Bible said you shall know the truth and the truth will set you free. Do you believe in drugs or do you believe in God? Do you believe that God's hand on your life is better than the drugs? Can you for a moment pause and take a step back? Any drug rehab program, that's what they get you to do. They stop you and they ask you to look at your life and assess what you believe. And once you assess what you believe, and they get you back in alignment with what you really believe or really get you to see that what you believe isn't true. And at the end of the day, what makes you successful when you get off of drugs is you believe this is bad for me. Nobody, nobody can tell you that. But you come to the conviction. The prodigal son said, this is bad for me. I should have never left home. That was what made the prodigal son an amazing story. He saw it for himself. That's what being born again is about, you believing. I believe God's way of life is better for me than that way. A lot, a lot of pastors who start out, man, they're full of faith and confident. Over time, they lose faith. They don't believe anymore. You know, it's interesting. They don't believe in people. 
They don't believe that people can be honest. They don't believe in their church. I counsel and mentor a lot of pastors. They don't believe that they care about them or care about their families. And if you've been a PK, you can imagine how that's easy to feel. We, they care about my dad, but they don't care about me. They take up all of his time. They're selfish. And so once you stop believing, you stop loving. And that's what happens to a lot of relationships. The divorce happens because you stop believing. You no longer believe he cares. You no longer believe she cares. You no longer believe that the people on this job really, really care about me. And as, as an employer who's led staffs for years, that is one of the things I have to work all the time at communicating. A simple stop by an office, a simple conversation can change everything. It can re-rack how they feel. You're, you think I'm important enough to have a brief conversation with. Thank you. But the question is, have you checked that lately? Is this really about what someone did to you or about your lack of faith now? Is this really more about that than anything else? Are the kids angry because they believe nobody in this family really cares about me? Is this more about that than anything? It's really amazing how easy it is for that, for it to transpire, for it to just get out of control, for that whole attitude to just rise up and everything just gets out of whack and you look at each other and you just don't know what, what happened the way we feel. It's because we lost faith. Lord, help us. And you know, it's amazing. Without faith, he said, you'll never, never please God. He understands it's the foundation of everything. That's, that's how you start your walk with God. You come by faith because you, you can't figure out everything he's saying to you. You have to just trust him. You have to believe that he cares about you. Do you believe God cares about you? Yes. Just like that cold wind blowing on all of us, you feel that cool wind? How many of you feel that cool wind blowing on you? It's kind of cool, isn't it? I'm sending a hint. I hope everybody hearing me, praise God. <laughs> There's something about that cool wind that blows on you. Let you know the air conditioning works real good. <laughs> but sometimes if you're not careful, you'll start thinking nobody cares. You don't feel God's presence. You don't feel joy. You don't feel happiness. You don't feel anything. I made a practice lately to look at my wife. I, I've gotten in the habit of looking away. I mentioned this the other day. When I'm talking to her, I be, I'm looking over someplace else. And I'm not looking at her. I just felt my spirit look at her when she's talking to you. Stop looking away. Stop just listening. Another thing I said, this is just a freebie. Why, why don't you just refuse to be offended? Why don't you just say, I'm not going to be offended? Can we practice that, please? I refuse, I refuse to, be to be offended. Some of us are too offended. You're offended about everything. Your husband offend you. Your children offend you. Your boss offend you. Your coworkers offend you. The dog offends you. Everybody, the cat, everybody has offended you. The mailman doesn't put the mail in the box right. The person at the check register didn't smile enough. You offended at the gas station. And nobody's even there. You pump by yourself and you're offended. <laughs> the pump is too short. It needs to be longer. You're offended by everything. You're offended at your car because it needs to be serviced. I can't believe you need to be serviced. I just serviced you six months ago. I just said, you know what? I need to stop being so offended. And I need to start believing that God has my life in his hand. Amen. Come on, say amen. I need to believe that God has my life in his hand. Sometimes that's what's wrong with us. That's why we can't figure out what to do. So everybody said to the person, please say, check yourself. Check yourself. Second thing you want to do is check your fire. Sometimes the, the issue, the reason you can't figure out what to do is because you really are not passionate about hearing what you need to hear. You, you don't really want to know what it's going to really take 
to fix what you want to fix. There are times when it's hard for you to be on that island with God by yourself and he tell you, tells you the whole truth. You are lazy. <laughs> you are not honest with yourself. You're not taking care of yourself. You're not, I mean, you, there's, that, there's that moment when you're, you're too insecure for me. You're, you're too insecure for me to help you. I can never prosper you. You will never make more money than you make. I will never be able to give you any more money. I will never be able to advance you beyond this. I will never be able to give you friends. You will not have any more friends than you have now. You will never, you will never, okay, you ready? Buckle up. You will never get married. Never. You're unmarriable. I can't, I cannot, with your attitude, the way you approach people, the way you talk to people, I, there's not a man on the planet that I have that's willing to put up with that. There's not a woman on the planet that I have. Now, I got a few that you can find that you don't need, but as far as my perfect will for you, the way you think, the way you are right now, it's impossible for me to give you the house, the car, the job, the, 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 the church, whatever. You will never find a perfect church. You're going to complain about every pastor you get, every church. It's impossible to fix your life. I, I, I just don't, you may be unhelpable. Now, I want you to understand that may sound awful, that may sound bad, but see, you don't want to hear that. Just like Israel, when they got over in the promised land and they saw those giants, and they saw all those big muscles. And they saw all those people that were real tall. And then they got over there, the 12 spies, and 10 of them said, we are doomed. We cannot win. It's impossible. They, their fire for victory, their fire for life went out the window. It went out the window when they saw the challenge. Just like a person goes to college, right? First day, I'm going to college. I'm going to college. I'm going. I'm going to be an engineer. And the first day the professor walks in, and the first time he pulls out that syllabus, and the first time he lays out the work, and he says, here's what you have to have done by the night, and I expect you to be ready tomorrow to take this pop quiz. You think you're, you say, he crazy. He can't be serious. <laughs> we just got here. We're supposed to party for a few more weeks. What is this? And it's really just hard. And here's what happens. The fire for education goes down. And now the professor is terrible. And then you go up to him and you say, well, professor, can I talk to you? He said, no. I can't talk to you. I can't talk to you. I don't have time to talk to you. I read the syllabus. Well, I have a few questions. Okay, what are your questions? It says I'm supposed to read uh, 50 pages by tonight. And then it says I'm supposed to write a, a, a two-page summary of what I read. And, and then it says that, and, and, and she said, well, you said, well, what's the question? Uh, am I supposed to do all that? Isn't that what it said? That's what it said. That's what it told you, right? That's what it said. So uh, now I, I want you to understand, it's not always like that, okay? It's not every, I don't want to scare some of you away from college forever. But here's the point. I want you to understand your fire goes out when you see a giant. Your fire goes out when you look at yourself in the mirror and you see you need to come up a bit. You need to grow a bit. Something happens in you. And sometimes in life, your problem is your fire is too low. You're not passionate like Joshua and Caleb. You're not willing to fight past. For God to really answer the question that you're asking him, what should I do? I don't know what to do. He said, well, here's the first thing you're going to have to do. You are going to have to change. You are going to have to change. Now, I have a visual I want you to see. I never will forget this time. We were in an airport one day, and we were, we were on one of those busy trips. I don't know how many places we were going. It's a bunch of them. And I remember dying. It was just dying and I were by ourselves. And uh, we got to the staircase, and, and I, <laughs> I don't know what city it was in. And I, it was about, 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 about 15 steps, maybe. Come, and I, we, we, the plane we landed on, it took you on the tarmac, and you had to walk up the stairs with your suitcases. And, and Diane had hers, and I had mine, and, and so I'm thinking, well, I'm going to have to run up, you know, take it up there and, and maybe drop mine off and come back down and get hers. And I looked at her, and she looked at me, and she said, Ricky Temple? Ricky Temple, being married to you, Lord, have mercy, Jesus. 
And she took those steps on, and I laughed and said, go, girl, that's why I married you. That's why I went to the jungle to kiss you. I had to find you. <laughs> she cranked up her fire. Sometimes in life, that's what you're going to have to do to hear the answer that you're praying for. Lord, I don't know what to do, but in order to hear you, I've got to get around some Joshua and Caleb. I've got to get around some people that aren't going to baby me. I've got to get around some people that are going to challenge me to do better. Think higher. Come on, say man. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Something powerful. You check yourself. Check what you believe. Check your fire. See if you have that determination. You're willing to hear it no matter what it costs. You're willing to be sat down and told this is right, this is good, that's bad, this is wonderful. You're willing for that, that guy to put that red pin on it and say, okay, you did good, but this section right here needs to be improved. It's that moment in your life that you find something inside of you. That's why, that's why people pay you, because they know that he paid a price. There's something that happened when you hear a person has been married for 35 years. You know they paid a price. That's why you hire experienced people. They come in the door understanding how to parent, how to think under pressure. After you check yourself, after you check your fire, here's the third thing you need to do. Say, check your options. This sermon is all about options. This sermon is all about options. And it's all about something I think a lot of people don't take full advantage of. Israel had options, but missed great opportunities. Their fire seemed to burn out when the pressure was on. 1 Corinthians chapter 10 describes this journey. 1 Corinthians chapter 10 puts into context a series of things that showed why they missed opportunities. Now, I summarized it by giving you three things that they did wrong, three things that caused them to miss opportunities. Number one, fear. They were afraid. Afraid they could not win. Number two, they had what I call, I call misapplied anger. They blamed Moses and Aaron. You will miss your opportunities in life if you spend too much time focusing on who robbed you of something, whether it be your father, your mother, your brother, pastor, whoever you want to blame. And thirdly, they lost sight of what was essential. Sometimes, and I'm so guilty of doing this, you get caught up in stuff, sometimes for years, that has, not, has, not, that has nothing to do with where you're going. Zero. There's a book, I'll put it down here for you again. I, I'm telling you, it helped me. Now you, you know, praise God, it's not in the bookstore. You know, I'm not gonna, I read too many books to put them all in the bookstore. Plus, all of you don't buy them anyway. So go to Amazon, wherever you wanna buy it, buy it yourself. But there's a book that I, I just loved, it spoke to me, and, and, and I might read it again, because it's, it really, it, it put into context, and that's what books do for me. They put into context a way of thought. And a good book is like that, it has one main meaning. One main lesson. And he coined this term called, at least the first time I've heard it used, essentialism. A staff person brought me this just a month or so ago. And I just sat there and devoured it, and I thought, man, this concept that the bottom line of the book is do what's essential. A person who is an essentialist understands what's essential. This is what's important. And here's what's really hard to say. Talking to you is not essential. Answering this phone call is, has, it says nothing to do with what I'm trying to accomplish in the next two hours. And if I answer this phone, I will be tied up with you for 30 minutes, and that is not essential. I'm trying to get dressed to go catch a plane. That is what is essential. And if I miss this plane, you can't help me. It's essential for me to finish this work. It's essential for me to have some exercise time. It's essential. What is essential? Well, now, see, I hope when I call you, Pastor Rick, you don't look at my name and say, well, that's not essential. <laughs> Sometimes I have to say that. If I'm out with Diane, I might just say, no, I'm on a date. Right. There are times when 
the most essential thing in the world, and we're in this great conversation, and the phone rings. I, I can't answer it right now, but that's okay, because if I call you, you can't answer if you're working. You can't. There are times you can't. I'm not essential. Let me, let me, let me help you with this one. You ready? 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 Watch this. We're going to swim together. When you plan your vacation, is my name on the list? <laughs> oh, you love me, right? You love. I love my pastor, my pastor, Ricky. Yes. But I'm not on the list. I'm not on the list. You didn't buy me a plane ticket to go with you to Hawaii. You, well, well, why? Why? Why, why am I not on the list? See, see, it's okay to admit that's not your vacation, Pastor Rick. Because guess what? When I plan my vacation, <laughs> lovingly said, you're not on the list either. Now, Anne is on the list. Somebody, my kid's on the list. It's a small list. If you want to go, you got to buy your own ticket and pay your own way. And, and that's not being mean. Sometimes I think it's so hard for us to say, this is essential, and this is not. Now, what I loved about the book is what it, it, it taught me this principle between being a non-essentialist and an essentialist. An essentialist understands what's essential. A non-essentialist makes everything essential. That's why they're always late to everything. And it really helped me be on time. It helped me, it, you know, I've been, I've been working on this thing. I've got alarms. I, I try to make myself be on time, you know, and I have to work at it. I have to work at it. Anybody know what I'm talking about? I have to. Come on, come on. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Tell the truth in church. Come on. You know, and, and here's what I have to do. I have to say to myself, this is essential. Three things. Lay out your clothes, A, B, and C. This is it. And, and don't, don't get distracted. Because if I get, my problem is, I want to fix this up. I want to put the shoes back. I want to hang this up. And then I want to I eat the breakfast. And then I want to, I got, oh, I got to call so-and-so. Oh, yeah, and I got I to send that little quick email. And before you know it, Time has gotten away from me. And, I, and, and, I, and it, when he gave me this title that you are a non-essentialist, you are acting like a person who doesn't believe in, 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 being, in things that are essential. Define what's important, Temple. If it's exercise, here's a good one. You'll love this one. You're going to love this one. What day of the week do you exercise? Now, I've got two days. I got three days last week. I got one more day to do tomorrow morning. Three days. What day of the week? If you don't name a day, you'll never do it. And you're saying it's not essential. That's what you're saying. You're saying, you're saying this is not important. Picking what you eat. When, if, if it's essential, it's worth another block to get something healthy. It's worth the sacrifice to pay the dollar more. Because this is essential. It's worth going to the store, picking up the vitamins you've been saying you're going to go pick up for the last two months that you still haven't picked up because you now understand this is essential. I need to do this. Instead of sitting in the doctor's office when they tell you this is wrong and that's wrong and you start praying, oh, Jesus, hallelujah, I'm believing God. See, see, the reason you're there is because you didn't think it was essential. I had a friend tell me the other day, he, he had a, a bad physical state. Matter of fact, he had a stroke. And he, I said, what did you learn from that experience? You know what he told me? He said, I learned to go every year and get my physical and to take the medicines and do the things the man told me to do. He said, I didn't, I, I didn't do it. And so this whole concept really spoke to me. And when you look at, look at our lives sometimes, there are opportunities that, that God wants to pour into our lives but because we don't know what's essential, Israel lost sight of what was essential. And they got off on these tangents and they went to all these, they, they were conquering all these different lands. And, and so they were trying this food and, and trying this kind of woman and trying that kind of man and, and oh boy, and running around and feeling successful. And before you know it, they forgot the living God. Before you, they, they forgot why he gave them the promised land. It's so amazing you pray for a family, you get one, then you forget to manage them. You forget to spend time with them. You forget why you were given that. I'm the pastor of a church. Lord, help me if I forget that this is essential. Not just the prison tour and out of town and all that other stuff. And you can see people, you want to say, do you, do, are we important still? Is this really important? Have you, have you gotten married? You remember you went through this whole marriage thing? You, went, you had a whole ceremony, remember? 
Are you now acting as if that's not essential? Your job is now more essential than your wedding or your kids? Or you have a job, they hired you to be on this job at this time to do a specific task. Now you are the company advisor. You forgot what your title says. And you get an attitude when they tell you to stop preaching to everybody and stop doing all these other things because you're, you're not even in your department half the time. You're somewhere else. You ever work with people like that? You say, what, did you get promoted? You forgot what's essential. And that's why companies start to fail. They forget what their job is. They get confused. People do it all the time. What's essential? Now, there are two things I want to look at tonight, and I'm done. One is, say, bad options, bad options. and good options. Good In 1 Corinthians chapter 10, I love this part of the Bible because it's simply God showing us what Israel did with the options they were given. And here's what I want you to be clear about. Sometimes God has options in front of you that he wants you to take advantage of. He knows the options that would be the best for you. So sometimes you don't know what to do. He wants to say, look at this option. Don't look at that option. Look at this option. The problem is the way we think sometimes we tend to be drawn to the bad options. When you're in the middle of an argument, the temptation is to choose the bad option, not the Good option. The good option is to be quiet and pray about this thing. Calm down. The bad option is to say, don't you talk to me like that. So which option do you take advantage of? So sometimes you don't know what to do. Here's a moment where you choose which option you're going to take. And I want you to be really, 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 really clear here. Sometimes we don't consider all the options. The reason we can't recognize what to do is because we only choose these options. Every single time we come to this test, every single time we come to this point of confusion, we choose these options. Your money is tight, you're struggling financially, and so what you do is you call the people you can borrow money from, these three people. You never consider changing the way you spend your money. You never consider another job. You never consider Anything different, it's just these options. Israel had a habit of choosing a very narrow list of options. And these options got them in trouble over and over again. Every time you're lonely on Friday night, you call the same phone number. Hey, what you doing? Every time you get angry, you pick up the same bottle. That's your option. Are you the same drug? That's your option. You have a very narrow list of options. And God's greatest challenge sometimes when you don't know what to do and he's trying to show you what to do is to get you to pick another option. Another way to approach this moment. Here's what he said. Watch this. First of all, all of them were given options. In 1 Corinthians 10, verse 1, Moreover, brethren, I do not want you to be unaware, I put it in bold print for you, that what? All our fathers were under the cloud, and all did what? Pass through the sea. And verse 2, all were what? Baptized into Moses in the cloud and in the sea. And verse 3, and all ate what? Spiritual food. And all drank the same spiritual drink, for they drank of the spiritual rock that followed them, and that rock was Christ. Now Paul is being a little bit prophetic here because they didn't understand anything about Christ, but he's looking back and he was saying God was with them. But they all were together. They all had the same experience. They all crossed the Red Sea. They all were protected by God. Everybody was there, and all of them got a chance to partake. Everybody was there. But what was interesting was all did not take advantage of the options put before them. Most of them, verse 5 says, God was not well pleased with. And because of that, their bodies were scattered in the wilderness. He said the reason that they did not have a good outcome, the reason that they ended up not being able to go into the promised land 
was not only because their fire was too low and because they wouldn't respond, they were people who consistently took advantage of the wrong options. They kept choosing the wrong options. These 12 spies who crossed over and only two were positive and 10 were negative, that was a common problem. That's what 1 Corinthians says in verse 10, chapter 10. Paul looks back and says, they had a problem. We as a nation, he says, had a problem of choosing the wrong options. Now, look at your family for a second and ask yourself the question. All of them had certain advantages. All of them, all of them. But did they choose, most of them, the right options? Or did most of them choose alcohol? Did most of them choose chasing women? Did most of them choose, what were the choices that they made? Now, listen to these incredible options. They all ignored the good options that were given. 1 Corinthians 10, 6 says, Now these things became our examples to the intent that we should not, look what they did, lust after evil things, as they also lusted. And we should not become idolaters, verse 7 says, as were some of them. Verse 8, nor let us commit sexual immorality, and specifically the word in, in the King James is fornication. It means to have sex outside of a marriage relationship. He said, if you want to look at what they, what most of them did, this is what they did. And they tempted Christ. And then verse 10 says, they complained. Most of them fell in that category. Now think about it for a second. Does that describe the options a lot of your friends, family, people you know have chosen? That is a profound statement. Most people chose these options. When they didn't know what to do, when they were in the place of challenge, when they were in the wilderness, when they were came to Kadesh Barnea, about to go in the promised land, they chose the wrong option again and again. You ever choose the wrong relationship again and again and again? It may look different, but again, same financial choices, pay off all the debt, go right back in because you keep choosing the same options. Same kind of friends, same attitude. When you're angry, you choose the same words. You say the same things. Maybe you could pause for a moment and consider another option. How is this working for you? Had these options turned out the way you thought? My greatest challenge at this season of my life is to choose different options, to decide what's essential, to check myself and analyze what I believe, to crank up my personal fire and not blame anybody and not put this on anybody else's plate. This is on my plate. This is my life, and I want, to, I want my life to mean something. And if I want my life to mean something, I've got to have the courage to choose some good options. And there were three good options that he said would be great for you to choose. Number one, repeat it with me, please. Accept admonition. Come on. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Say, say accept admonishment. I'm sorry. I can get it right when I say it right. Kind of means the same thing, by the way. Accept admonishment, which means this. Verse 11. These things happen to them as examples, and they were written for our admonition. All the things that happened to Israel, he said, were for us to learn from. But we have to accept it. It was for our admonition. I want to give you something that will encourage you to pursue the right course. I want to give you some advice. I want to show you something. Are you willing to accept admonishment? You know, it's not easy for people to come to you and say, hey, you know, I, I just think you're doing this wrong. How do you open up your heart and say, tell me? When you don't know what to do and God wants to show you a good option, sometimes he has to admonish you. Can you, can you embrace that? They didn't do well with that. Secondly, now I want you to hear this. Say, accept and implement advice. It's not just hearing it, but it's taking heed to it. Verse 12. Therefore, let him who thinks he stands... Take heed, lest he what? Fall. 
There's something about coming to the point where you say to yourself, I'm not going to just open my heart and allow people to talk to me. I'm going to apply what they say. Now, you know, it's, you, you've been in how many sermons? Okay, you've read how many Bible verses? Okay, you've sang how many gospel songs? How much of what you've read have you actually applied? It's so easy to get excited and say, that is a great word. That is a great message. I was praying on my way to end this morning, and I was thinking of areas in my life when I absolutely knew better. But I didn't put it on the calendar. I didn't say, I'm starting that today. You know, I see people, they're speeding down the street, praying the police officer doesn't see them. This is really amazing. You're praying, oh God, please, blind officers, I go in Jesus' name. I got to get to work here. And you, you told yourself, I'm not going to do this again. But every morning, you know, two or three times a week, I mean, it's, it's just, you know, I have to tell myself, didn't you say, didn't you say, didn't you hear? And then the last one. This is one that is probably the most amazing of all three. Except the fact that you're not unique. A good option is to just say, instead of thinking that you're some person with a curse on your life when you have challenges, when you don't know what to do, when you had that moment, instead of thinking that, oh boy, God's unfair to me, why don't you say other people have the same problem? You're sitting next to one. You have a room full of people. You have a lot of people who can say, hey, there are many times I don't know what to do. And there are moments in my life when I don't, I don't know what option, option to consider. I'm just like you. If you can stop thinking that you're supposed to always know what option to choose, you're, you're supposed to be confused. I love the way he words this. He says, no temptation has overtaken you except as such as is common to man. But God is faithful. Come on, say that part. Come on. You don't have anything. You're not the only parent with a challenge. And you're not a parent with the greatest challenge. If you want to know a parent with a challenge, you go to these prisons and see these kids and kids in there who are 14, 13 years old, with life sentences. You want to you know a challenge, be the parent of that kid. You want to know a parent? You want to, I mean, there, there are many people who have challenges. You are not unique. You are not the only one trying to weigh out your options, trying to weigh out what to do. So don't, don't act like you're the only person. But remember, in the middle of it, God's faithful, who will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you're able. But with the temptation, will make a way for you to escape. He's faithful. He'll help you get through it. And so when I'm at the point when I don't know what to do, I need to make sure I don't feel sorry for myself. And I open my heart up to be admonished. I open my heart up to be advised. I open my heart up for advice, and I implement what I'm told. I'm not just hearing words. I'm implementing what I was told. And, and, and lastly, I make sure that I don't just feel sorry for myself. There's something profound that happens when I don't fall into that trap. So you don't know what to do. Welcome to the club. You have seasons when you are confused about what the next option should be. Welcome to the club. But here's what you can say. I will not choose those options. I will not take that attitude. I will not become that defensive. I will raise my hand and my heart to God, and I will allow him to show me. And here's what I found that's been amazing. He always shows me options I never considered. I am so amazed at God's consistent ability to help me consider options. This past week in my house, my air conditioning went out. And I thought I'd pick up the phone and call them, tell them who I am. We do a lot of business together and say, guys, 
This is Pastor Ricky Temple. <laughs> Got to get official now. Because it's hot in the house. There's a part of our house. We have two units. And one part of the house wasn't, wasn't hot. But it wasn't the bedrooms. And it wasn't you know, our main area where we normally are. And, and, uh, and I called. And they didn't respond to my call. And I became a little bit emotionally touched. So I called back. <clears throat> this is uh, Pastor Ricky Temple calling you again. And then they, the guy came out. He finally called me back, came out. And he looked at it. He said, well, this is seven days ago, six days ago. You need a motor, fan. I said, fan? I said, I just put this thing in. He said, yeah, you need this. And so they, next morning, I called Monday morning. This was last Sunday. I called Monday morning early. Time to open the door. Hello there, this is Pastor. <laughs> Did you order the fan? We don't know. We don't know. I said, okay. So I said, well, uh, check on that and get back with me, would you? 11 o'clock come, 12 o'clock come. <laughs> and you ever been in a hot house? Yes. Lord Jesus, it's terrible. Isn't it terrible? It's terrible. I had a fan, you know, I had a fan down in my laundry room. I went and got the fan, got the ceiling fan on, but it's all blowing hot air, you know, it's just hot. It's just hot, it's just hot. It's hot as fire. I mean, it was almost 90 degrees, it was hot. And, you know, it was on the top floor of the house, so the heat rises, you know. And so Diane, you know, she's tough. She's trying to hang in there. And so, man, I'm telling you. And so we had to huddle in this little guest room we got. We had to huddle in the guest room together. And we was living in the guest room for the last six days. You know, so we all in there and, and trying to, everybody trying in the guest bathroom a little small. So we all in there trying to brush out. We all, we all jacked up in there together. And, it's, and so every now and then, your clothes upstairs, you got to go up in the heat. So... Take a deep breath, go on up to the kitchen, get your clothes, and run out the door real fast. So I called, and it's next day, Tuesday. I said, uh, you ordered a fan? They said, we don't know. I said, what you mean you don't know? You got to know. Somebody better know. Some now, now I have some options in front of me. Do you act ugly? And do you act like a person? You know what I'm saying? And then we started talking. And then in, in the conversation, it was fascinating conversation. Finally, at the end of the day, they got it all, and they ordered it. And I called Wednesday. I said, did you, you got the fan in? They said, well, well, no, it didn't come in today. And then I called Thursday. By this time, I want to know, well, somebody better go get me a fan. We need, some, we need to find where, the, <laughs> where is this fan. So by Thursday, they, they called. They said, well, no. It, it, in the morning time, it hadn't come yet, but by the evening, say, come on, in the evening, hallelujah. All the fans showed up, but they had to call and find the fan. The devil was hiding my fan. <laughs> you know, I just, I just tell you, when you, when you have those experiences and, and, and you're trying, you're trying, I know one night I said, I'm just going, we're going to get these fans, baby. We're going to sleep in this room. We got up there in the room, you know, we're going to sleep. And Diane, she's a, she's a real soldier. She's going to sleep. I'm going to be, you'll be all right. We're going to be, man, we got up in there. I said, baby, I got to go downstairs. I, I can't breathe. I, can't. I said, you come on with me. We're going downstairs. We're not staying up here. We don't need trying to suffer. What are we suffering for? We got one room. We're going to go stand in that one room together. And so and it's a little bit, you know, it's a little bit too. You know, you're just all in there. You're jacked up, you know. <laughs> oh Lord Jesus thank you Lord but on Friday hallelujah that man rang that doorbell I said thank you Jesus come on go upstairs and fix this thing well when he got up there I heard him hammering he was beating that thing and he was trying to fan the old fan wouldn't come off I said, the devil is a liar. You better get that fan. <laughs> he had to take the whole thing out, take it outside, get a torch, and get the fan loose. You know, sometimes the devil want to hold on to you. You know what I mean? But in that moment, I had to make a choice throughout the whole season. You going to be ugly? They're trying. 
Sometimes communication can be awkward. They have other clients. You're not the only one who's hot today. But when I'm hot, I don't care about anybody else. <laughs> I care about me. I'm hot. I'm the one hot. You need to fix my problem. Check your options. Don't choose the bad option. When they call back again, don't let them, when they hear your name, they go, oh, he ain't called the reverend. He done almost cussed us all out now because he's hot, see, now. And he should be pe preaching on hell. He the one acting like he's going there. Sometimes life can turn in a direction that makes you uncomfortable. But in that moment, you find out where you are. You find out what you believe you find out how high your fire really is. And sometimes the Lord's waiting. He already knows. But he'll say, you know why I didn't bless you? Because I know you choose that option. You want to know why I can't promote you? Because you're always choosing that option. You always say one thing, but you keep choosing that option. You tell me one thing, but you keep choosing that option. Now, if you keep choosing that option, how can I bless you? And that's why I told God, I said, God, I, I promise you today, in the name of Jesus, I, I, when I don't know what to do, I'm going to choose the right option. And for some of you, it is cutting off that station. For some of you, it's getting off that internet. For some of you, it's not going over there another day, to, not tonight. For you, it's saying, no, I'm not choosing that option because I want a different result. Now, did this help you this week? Come on, praise God. I hope it did. Father, in Jesus' name, I thank you for the word of God, and I thank you for all that we've talked about. I thank you, Lord God, for how you have helped us see the power of choices. There's something profound that happens when we say no to that option and yes to this one. There's something that happens when a married couple says we choose not to be offended. That's the option we choose. We choose not to hold on to that grudge. That's the option I choose. Man. <laughs> look at me for a second. Sometimes you're at that car dealership, you're looking at that, that car. And you can make the option. You can say, I want this one. And the Holy Spirit saying, you sure you want that kind of bondage in your life? You choose this one. You can handle this one. You're sitting there thinking, and Lord, I pray that just like that decision, whatever choices we're making, that you speak to us today. I believe you've called us to make a new decision. You call some of us to consider more options. Some people need to move to another city in their phrase. They won't consider all their options. Some are afraid to go to a local school because they want to go someplace fancy, but the best option for them is right down the street. Some people, right now, they, they have a right to hold on to an issue, but they can choose the option. I choose to let it go. I choose to let it go. I want you to lift your head one more time. I want you to listen to me. The greatest gift God ever gave you was choice. Some of you have a justifiable reason to be angry. But that is not the best option. That is not what you should do. The best option is to say, no, not another day in my life will I ever, ever, ever speak that way. There's something about making the right choice. I don't know why I feel led to say this, but I don't know if 
system. My dad could be watching. If you are, hello, dad. He watches all the time. And, uh, but I, I just feel like this will help somebody. I don't know why I feel I need to say this, but I want to just say it. I wasn't raised with him. And uh, it's interesting when you're not raised with your father how, and you have, you know, you, you develop, all of, all of us understand this, you know, at least quite a few of us. You have a list of issues that you, you have. You know, he's told me his list of issues with, you know, his, those who raised him. And so you develop a list. And you have every right to everything on that list. You can articulate it well. You can explain it well. You got stories to tell. But I made, an, I made a choice. I made a choice. I decided I choose another option. Because that doesn't help me. And that surely doesn't help him. Dwelling on what didn't go right. And, you know, and I, my, my mom and him didn't work out. And trying to figure all that out. That's what's going to really mess you up, trying to figure all that out. That's, that was their issue. Come on, say, so that was their issue. Come on, that was their issue. And you really have to, you really have to put that under the blood. And you have to say, you know, I'm, I'm not, I'm not going to try to own that. And I, I'm, I'm 57, and I can't process it. You know, and so at some point, you have to say to yourself, what option do you choose? I'm not saying it's going to be everything it could have been. I'm just simply saying it is what it is, and I need to choose the option that's going to be best for me. And that's forgiveness and moving forward in my life. Come on, say amen. Come on, amen. That's moving forward in my life. And some of you, you, you got, you, you've chosen to be angry with a previous boss or uh, a, a neighbor or a friend, and you may have a list and a right, but at some point you have to say, I choose the option. This is me. And I, I believe that God... This is something I've I really been surprised at. I used to think God would stop me from making the wrong choice. He will not stop you. If you want to get that loan, he will let you apply for that loan and get approved, and it will sink you financially, and he will not stop you. Because one of the greatest gifts he gave you was free will. You choose to be. I understand, and I'm going to share this in a couple of weeks with you, why preachers fall morally. I'm going to talk about that, why they have bedroom blindness, why, they, why you see them all in the newspaper. It's because they make a choice. It's, it's the decisions you make. God's not going to stop me from messing up. If I, if I don't pray and if I don't take care of myself, I'll get every disease out, anything that comes down the pike that I, I'll get it. If I'm not willing to eat right, and if I'm not willing to exercise, if I make that choice, then it's my life. I made that choice. That's the gift he gave me. And it's a powerful gift. And I hear people, and they're mad with people, and they're unloading on you all the stuff that's done to them, and they just wear you out, wear you out, wear you out, and you just... And, and, and then you just sit there and you say, well, man, you know, they choose. Every day they get up, they choose to eat the same thing. I'm not going to eat that again. I'm just, I'm just, yes, that's what happened. That's what happened. And I'm telling you, it just drains you. And some of you, let me tell you, the greatest choice you can make tonight, stand on your feet. Stand on your feet. You can lift your hands up and you can say, Father, I choose to let it all go. Father, in Jesus' name, we let it all go. We release it. Whether it be a parent, whether it be a circumstance, whether it be a job, whatever it be. That young man in that TV station just so mad with those people, he just had to go shoot somebody. Because he wouldn't let it go. He chose to ambush those people. Boy, so mad with police officers, he chose to walk up behind that police officer and shoot him. He chose. It comes to my time, Lord God, even if your mind not right, some choices we make. Somebody today needs to make a choice. I don't know what you're about to do, but you need to decide 
I'm letting this go. And I'm never coming back to it again. I will never feel that way, act that way, talk that way. I'm done with this. And I'm letting God have this. It could be an ex-spouse. Stop treating your ex-spouse so mean. Stop acting, making it hard to see the children. Stop all that. Just look, 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 look. You know, protect your children if you need to. I understand circumstances can be difficult. If it's something dangerous, I get that. But sometimes you're just being a jerk or a jerkhead. <laughs> Hallelujah. Say amen. You're just being difficult. You know you're being difficult. You know you just need to stop. This has got nothing to do with God or the Bible or anything. This is just you being hard. Just choose. Go to a church. What church did I go to? Just choose one. You've been to so many. Just choose one. Just, it's just the one that you like the most. Just choose it. And then leave those people alone when you go. Stop trying to make them act like you. They don't want to be you. Choose to be just happy. Just let everybody alone. Leave your sisters alone, your brothers alone, and stop telling everybody all their sins and all their failures. Just let it all go. Choose to stop talk about that. Everybody you meet, well, let me tell you about her. Let me tell you about him. Stop all that. Just say, no, I'm done with all of that. I'm finished with all of that. I'm done with all of that. I'm done with all of that in Jesus' name. I'm done with all of that. I'm telling you, man, this thing came on me so strong last night. I got some dust. Stop. Don't be offended. Stop being offended. Let it go. Choose to let it everything go. Just stop it in Jesus' name. Just let it go. Stop it. Quit. Drop everything because your spirit is so full. God wants to bless you, but you're tired of with these bad options. God wants to give you a broader world, but you're tired of all these options. Your mouth is tired of with it. Your mind, your spirit is tired of it. Your whole house is full of it. You come in there and everybody mad. Every week somebody mad about something. something I'm mad. I'm you mad with you. I'm mad with this one. Everybody's mad. This is a place. God can't come in here. God can't bless this place because we're so tied up and so frustrated. Some churches just so, so fun. one week is the choir, next week is the, there's always something. At some point you say, look, 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 look. In Jesus' name. Jesus' name. Jesus' name. Oh, that. Lord, help me. Help me, Jesus. Help me, Jesus, to not carry this another day in my spirit. Not another day. Not another day. Not another day. Last thing I'm going to say. I see you at those funerals, you know. I get to stand up here. It's amazing when you sit here. I get to go to the house. I get to talk to people. And all you have to do is go to them. You know what you hear? Regret. Hell on the stuff that didn't matter. I see him walk by the casket. I hear it. I hear it. Should have let that go. Abraham Lincoln's uh, son, Abraham Lincoln and his dad were the odds, I believe. If I got that right. And he and his son were the odds. A man who did so much good for the country had a rough marriage. He and his wife just, they had many tumultuous <laughs> conversations and fights. She was pretty, sp pretty spirited. I look at him and he's, I look at him and I see his picture. And I think, look at old Abe. He looked like he's calm, but at home it was hell all the time. He and his son. He lost several kids. I don't know if you know that. He lost several kids. They died young. But he looked like he was a quiet guy. Are you like that? You look fine. But your home life is not what it appears to be. You got a whole lot going on. Choose another option today. Father, may they leave this place inspired. 
May they leave this place changed. And pray that they would not look one way and be another. I pray that you would do something profound in them that only you can do. There we head bowed. If there's anybody here that doesn't know you, Savior, anybody struggling in their walk, may they say, Jesus, today I rededicate my life. I give my life to you. I, I need you in my life. I, I, I want to make a new start with you. And I ask you to forgive me. Let this be a brand new start. Let this be a day of transformation for me. May I say it was in this sermon on options that my life changed. In Jesus' name. Everybody say amen. Are you really glad you came today? I hope you are.